Hillary has been lengthening her excuses as to why uh, she lost the election. She didn't really lose the election. It was stolen from her uh, by, I think it's up to 24 different excuses she has now. Number 24 is content farms in Macedonia. And uh, as I said, uh, my grandfather was a uh, Macedonian content farmer. And uh, we often think about, you know, gathering on the porch and recalling the old days on the Macedonian. I never thought, he never thought that the old content farmers he left behind in Macedonia would one day steal the U.S. presidential election. They are gnarled, hardworking Macedonian peasants and the way they were able to reach out and uh, steal the election from so a well-oiled I'll, uh, machine headed by John now. Podesta is, uh, is impressive. And, you know, actually, this is our um, 50th episode. Yeah, time flies. I know, and I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't have anything prepared. I was up in the high country of uh, Flagstaff this weekend with family. Oh, yeah, I saw that with the flag. That brought the, uh, the flags out, uh, the, uh, the official flag of Macedonia and the Star of Kutlish flag. Yeah. You're allowed, you're allowed to do that in the States? I'm allowed to do it wherever I damn well please. So, uh, <laughs> Not many Greeks up in flex stuff, right? I don't know, actually. There's a lot of um, Chinese students up there going to the school there, uh-huh. but the Chinese students go to every university now in uh, the United States. Well, then best don't use the new flag because they're going to think it's the Japanese war flag. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't have anything prepared, um, but I suppose we should do a podcast. Yep. Even round number. Even round number. This is uh, episode number 50 of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. My name is Jason Miko, coming to you from the foot of the Catalina Mountains in Oro Valley, Arizona. And this is Svetin Shulimanov uh, calling in from Skopje, Republic of Macedonia, breathing machine gun attacks by mafia and earthquakes, uh, most yeah. recently. So, so what's going on with the... Well, first of all, let's take the uh, the shootout. Again, I've been traveling, so I've just had a chance to catch up on... Briefly catch up on some news. So mm-hmm. the shooting at the Ali Pali, as we used to call it when I lived there, mm-hmm. the Alexander Palace Hotel, uh, which was... I like to point out, it was completed just before the outbreak of the uh, 1999 uh, NATO's defensive bombing of Yugoslavia. Uh, yeah, and it was And it was there. full of... It was full of... They probably paid off the construction costs, mortgage, whatever, because it was full to the gills. I uh, remember being there many yeah. times doing, um, I was with Mercy Corps at the time, the humanitarian group, and I was the public information officer, doing all kinds of um, interviews and, and whatnot uh, in there, but it was stuffed to the gills. I remember reporters from all over the world were literally, I think, sleeping in the hallways because mm. they didn't have enough room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so so there was a shooting there this weekend. What was that yeah, all it about? Was the one, it was the one big hotel we had before Mialkov built, uh, the Marriott and now... A Zayaf-linked guy built uh, a Hilton, and uh, it's it's been declining a bit. It was built by this huge uh, uh, smuggler, the, the guy who literally had uh, the biggest forwarding company at the time and made millions. Firspad? Well, uh, Firspad, uh, yeah, during the embargo with Greece and uh, Serbia. Yeah. You still get a bunch of SDSM people, you know, the, the rich and the powerful, playing tennis there and whatnot, and apparently there were some... Uh, Drug dealers from uh, uh, the best we could uh, hear now is that the, w- there was one group from Gerchets, which is on the west side of Skopje, and another from Aracinova on the east side. These are both Albanian villages, and mm-hmm. uh, these two groups were feuding over the drug business. And uh, one of the groups came with machine guns, uh, entered the hotel, 
lied to the people that they're police, you know, shouted, police, get down, and then started shooting with machine guns at the other group. And then there was an actual policeman with the, with the first group, apparently a friend or whatever, who pulled out a gun and started shooting at the machine gun armed attackers. Nobody wounded, ultimately, or that's what Amazing. we're told. Hmm. Yeah. There are nice pictures of uh, gunshots, you know, uh, holes in the glass doors of the Alexander Palace. Uh, Arachinovo group fled, uh, burned the car or, or just discarded it in Arachinovo. Obviously, nobody got arrested. And uh, as I predicted in the morning that there's going to be pictures as soon as we know the identities of the attackers or the, those attacked. Some of them is going to have a picture with Zoran Zav, which is the inevitable iron law of Macedonian politics that whenever there is a mafia person, especially an Albanian one, they have a picture with Zoran Zaev from one of his campaigns rounding up the Albanian vote. Right. And uh, I was close, but no, no cigar. They don't have pictures with uh, Zaev, but they have a picture with Pendarovsky. Ah, so, yeah, okay. pretty close on my part. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> when, okay. From the Pendarovsky's elections earlier this year, obviously, both sides voted for First Eva, as literally all Albanians did in Macedonia. Right. Okay. So, so that's the that's the uh, the, the big news from this this uh, this weekend over in Macedonia. But there's a lot been a lot of other things going on. Um, in addition, you mentioned the earthquake the, that we should just uh, highlight for listeners. The earth, literally the earthquake in Albania that occurred earlier this past week. Um, we're recording this on. Let's see, today is Sunday, it's December the 1st, wow. So, uh, last month of the year, and uh, this will drop tomorrow on Monday, December 2. We have Christmas, New Year's, then Christmas and New Year's <laughs> coming up in those yeah. in that order. Um, Black Friday, worst of all. <laughs> Black Friday, we'll get to that later. <sighs> Don't make me. Uh, <laughs> I want to start off on a good note. Um, so, it, but the, the, uh, the earthquakes in, um, in Albania, uh, I think they were centered near uh, Doris, I don't know how many people were actually killed. About 50 by now. Very, very sad. Um, and I know that uh, Macedonia sent a number of people over there to uh, a number of rescue teams to help mm -hmm. some aid as is proper. You know, give credit where it's due. I know that I saw that our friend uh, Vladko Georgiev happened to be there at the same time as the earthquakes yeah. and was helping out. Good for him. Um, and, you know, we, uh, we want to, you know, it's, it's a, an earthquake as Macedonia and Macedonians know all too well. Earthquakes are... Are, uh, are are prevalent in the region. They kill uh, the 1963 July 1963 earthquake in Skopje, which uh, killed over a thousand people. Uh, yeah. So this is not something to uh, use as a political tool in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and it's good to see Macedonians help their neighbors in Albania, and even good to see uh, Macedonians send their thoughts and their prayers to uh, the citizens of Albania. Unfortunately, some of our friends in the Colorful Revolutionary Group. Think that sending prayers to people is uh, no good, doesn't do any good, and uh, which I is don't unfortunate. Know why they do that. Well, they do it because they're they're petty. Number one, mm. I think most of our our colorful revolutionary friends are are filled and racked with with personal pain, anger, angst, a lot of confusion. Uh, their majority of them are atheists or agnostics. Some of them are actually mm. militant atheists. I mean, I have atheist friends, and, and that's fine. They all happen to be on the right side of the political spectrum. Spectrum. So they, they understand and they respect the place and the part that religion plays in the life of a people and in culture. And mm. 
and the institutions that are represented by the church and other faith institutions that are very important to any any culture, any people, uh, and any nation. But uh, some of our colorful revolutionary friends, the one we're talking about, whose name should not be mentioned, um, she uh, she derided the fact that people were sending their thoughts and their prayers to the mm. people of Albania. It's because she's petty, and she... She, she's I, she's one of the militant atheists who believes that religion should be eradicated, which is unfortunate. Um, yeah, but anyway, we're not linked to some spiritual bond. Yeah. What's the point of I don't know rushing there and trying to salvage uh, those people? Anyway, if we are just like slightly more evolved monkeys on a planet rotating through nothingness, and it's, it's, we're gonna die any any second in. Um, you know, cosmical terms anyway, whether it's one second sooner or later. I mean, what's well, the this point? Is, this is, this is, yes, this is perfect. This is something that um, our friend Dennis Prager makes, uh, the radio uh, host, uh, Orthodox Jewish uh, popular radio host in America, does uh, videos and, and mm-hmm. blogs and things like that, a number of books, and he has this wonderful book about happiness. Um, but he, in it, he talks about the idea that if you if you really believe that you're just a accident of cosmic portions if if your family those closest to you those that you love are just accidents that this whole world that everything is an accident that just came about happenstance well then from a logical perspective there's literally no meaning a a purposeless universe and earth and people that just came about as an accident literally have no meaning now you can create some sort of meaning to give yourself some sort of comfort to help yourself from going absolutely completely insane. Mm. You would need that, uh, otherwise you would go insane because logically it makes no, doesn't make any sense to claim that there's meaning to your own life or meaning to this world if you're just an accident of cosmic happenstance. Um, those of us who do believe in God and in uh, His Son, Jesus Christ, we do believe that there is meaning to life. And frankly, you know, Svetin, you and I didn't talk about what we were going to talk about on this podcast, but as we enter December, as we enter the Christmas season, it, it kind of makes sense that, to <laughs> to touch upon yeah. these things. And, and uh, December, uh, as we celebrate Christmas here, uh, Macedonian Orthodox uh, begin celebrating in December, but Christmas, of course, there is in January, uh, not too far mm-hmm. away. Yeah. It really focuses our attention on what's the whole point of life. Uh, you know, the three great questions that people throughout all of time no matter what country or culture they're a part of, what faith they're a part of, doesn't matter, or no faith, is, you know, why am I here? Why are we here? Mm. What are we doing here? Where are we supposed to be going? How did we get here? Uh, and, you know, our, again, our friends, uh, atheist friends, including those on, the, on the, the right side of the spectrum, you know, have to answer the, have a struggle, I'm sure, with these questions, uh, that this is all a cosmic happenstance, and that, but again, there can't be meaning. But as we get closer to Christmas, uh, as we think about the coming of the new year, uh, I think it helps to focus our our attention on, um, you know, for those of us who are believers, why we were created, and we were created with a purpose and have a purpose. Um, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and as they say, there is no atheist in a foxhole. And I, I can tell you when, mm. you know, fortunately we haven't had a foxhole, well, here in a few decades, but... Uh, not that long ago, but for most of the people, they haven't seen a foxhole. But uh, I gotta tell you, I'm one of those tall buildings in Skopje, and uh, they're designed to go back and forth when there is an earthquake. I, I don't know who had the bright idea that 
that's the way to do it. But apparently this absorbs or, I don't know, distributes the, the tension somehow. And uh, uh, I can tell you it's absolutely not a pleasant experience. And I'm sure that many atheists who, are, who experienced the earthquake in my uh, floor level, <laughs> they, were, they were pretty... You know, they were con converted for just at least just a few. <laughs> a few <seconds. laughs> yeah, I um well when I lived actually I grew up in I didn't grow up I spent a few years growing up in California as a kid and uh -huh. California is in Southern California it's earthquake prone we didn't have any earthquakes and I lived there at least I remembered but when I literally the, within the first month of moving to Skopje in 1996 I experienced my first earthquake and then experienced mm -hmm. several more uh, through the years while living there and it's mm -hmm. not a um. It's 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 unnerving. It's uh, frightening, right. and I can only imagine. And so, uh, so we uh, we pray for the uh, the people of Albania and for those that uh, for the first responders. Always, first responders are heroes, no matter what country, and, uh, no matter what circumstance of, of trying to to get the injured out of there. And of course, there's going to be a lot of recovery going on there, and we don't wish uh, an earthquake upon anyone. Uh, so, but okay, so. Let's. Uh, what else did we got going on? Again, I, I haven't really checked all the uh, the okay. news that's been going on since last week, and there's always so much. Uh, we just had you know Thanksgiving week here, so it's a bit slow. But Macedonia, things never seems to slow down there. They will. They will yeah, later this yeah, month. Yeah, yeah. They will certainly next month. Know. So, all right. So let's tell you what. Let's do this. Let's let's review the timeline. Today again is December one. This drops on December two. January three. Mm -hmm. Zornzayev, who's the and I, I love saying this, the outgoing prime minister <laughs> will uh, resign. Uh, Oliver Spasovsky, the uh, current interior minister, will become the interim prime minister. Mm -hmm. Vomero Dopamene will appoint their own, or, or they will appoint a member of the party to be the interior minister. There's a number of other mm -hmm. positions, social, welfare, and labor, I think. Mm -hmm. Elections are the 12th of April. Parliament dissolves sometime in February, I believe. Yep. So 11th, basically, February 11th, yeah. Uh, in the meantime, okay, also, this week, the NATO heads of state gather in Londinium mm -hmm. uh, to, uh, not for summit, but for uh, the 70th anniversary of NATO, I believe. Um, I think Macedonia will be there as a invited guest or soon to be a member. They have a special term for it. Um, but Macedonia is still not a member of NATO. The last country that we're waiting upon is Spain. Spain doesn't have a government, <laughs> um, but they're trying to form one. Once they finally do form a government, then they will have to consider uh, ratifying the, the uh, session protocols. That'll help happen sometime in 2020. Then Macedonia has to ratify those as well. And then finally, Macedonia will be a member of NATO sometime in 2020, probably by June at least. Be still my beating heart. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't be more blasé about this. Well, NATO's... Um, Anything else. Ever since the demise of the Soviet Union on Christmas Day 1991, I believe it was, uh, mm -hmm. NATO has been in search of a, of a, uh, a cause. It's raison d'etre, uh, mm -hmm. reason for existence, uh, was to uh, fight... The Soviet Union, and so once the Soviet Union ceased to exist, it, which was almost 30 years ago, um, mm. had to come up with something else. Then it decided to go AOR, as they say, out of area. Uh, mm -hmm. 
and uh, fought a very defensive war against uh, Yugoslavia in 1999. Um, actually, the only time Article 5, Article 5 is the, uh, the section of the NATO treaty, actually it's, I think it's the Washington Treaty is what it's actually called, mm-hmm. that states that attack on one is attack against all. So that was invoked uh, after the 9-11 attacks in the United States mm-hmm. to fight uh, a bunch of uh, towel heads in caves in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, it still doesn't seem to know what it's doing. Our friend Luke Coffey over at Heritage has, has argued that it needs to really get back to basics. Yeah. But the basics are, again, I, I'd, not, I'd rather say it's not there to fight uh, the Soviet Union, but to fight communism. But at this point, it's led by a Norwegian communist who was himself a KGB agent, Stoltenberg. Uh, it's, uh, many of its countries are, uh, you know, on the far end of socialism themselves, mm. uh, or at least at times where even the United States had its episode of eight years, and now we'll see how next year's elections go. In our case, uh, it was literally active, did its part to promote the spread of a leftist, uh, of a leftist government, uh, of radical leftism to, uh, in Macedonia, not only to bring the Socialist Party in power, uh, but uh, through the name change, you know, we see all these elements of uh, um, year zero, post-national, post-religious approach, to na- post-modern approach to nation-states. So it's not only uh, technically or nominally re- renaming us and, uh, you know, just uh, doing a, a technical process to get us, uh, to get over the Greek objection and get us into NATO, but it's actually structurally de- deconstructing our our nation state. Yes. Uh, and uh, on the other hand, you know, Russia is an enemy, but uh, it's more in some segments, you know, obviously it's run by a uh, secret service, secret police apparatus, strict control, especially over the opposition, which is being uh, broken up every now and then to ensure that there is nobody sane uh, who could challenge uh, Putin for power, etc. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's not a communist country. Um, Right. In, in some regards, it's actually more grounded, more... Uh, I hate that how they appropriate the words conservatism or right-wing in Russia, but in some respects, in the economics, for example, they're to the right of many NATO member states, and it's very difficult for me, especially as a Slavic-speaking Orthodox Christian person, mm-hmm. to continue seeing, you know, having the same virulent reaction to Russia and, uh, uh, you know, justify... NATO going out of its way to fight it, since it's no longer an ideological opponent. I was very much on board with the, um, you know, Middle Eastern wars. I can, I would love to see a Venezuelan intervention or a North Korean intervention on humanitarian, but also ideological grounds. But, you know, fighting Russia, I don't know. Right. No, I don't really see it. You make a good point about Russia, and this is something we've talked about before and we'll talk about again. Of course, it's not a communist country, as you say, it's authoritarian. The true communist country, of course, is the People's Republic of China, uh, you know, staunchly communist, uh, mm. and a group of leaders who think not 18 months in advance, like the West thinks, but 500 years in advance. Uh, that's the true enemy. Uh, and frankly, you know, there, there are things that we should cooperate with Russia on in areas that we can cooperate, and, and that's why it's important to maintain good relations um, as, as best as possible. Um, 
But, uh, yes, and, and going back to your point about conservatism, of course, to be a conservative in Russia and to be a conservative in the United States mm, yeah. can mean two different things. So, um, exactly. <laughs> but, but, you know, the root, uh, the root of conservative philo- philosophy, conservative thought, which has its, you know, its origins, although they didn't create it in the uh, Scottish Revolution, uh, Adam Smith and Edmund Burke. Mm-hmm. Edmund Burke was not Scottish, he was Anglo-Irish, but... But certainly Adam Smith and uh, Hume and others, um, mm-hmm. and they didn't—they didn't set out to create this philosophy of, of what we think of conservatism. But they just observed the events around them and, and then analyzed it and thought about it and, and gave it some some structure. And that is what we think of as conservatism. Which, frankly, you know what? We should do a whole podcast devoted to conservative thought at some point in the new year. I think we should do that. Yeah. Too. That would be a listener grabber. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also to explain to uh, especially some of our friends on the left why we are a why we are classical liberals, small l liberals. Because I remember having this brief back and forth with um, who's the Brussels correspondent for the Macedonian Information Agency? Uh, Ta- uh, Tanya. Tanya? Yeah, she. From you know, I was trying Skikoy. trying to explain to her that liberal, small l, means is is you know actually conservative and she didn't quite understand mm-hmm. it because she's young and <laughs> and uh, hasn't been exposed to things like history or yeah. uh, deep deep thoughts about you know foundational values first principles things of that nature um, so anyway yeah I think we should do a podcast mm-hmm. in the year just about trying to convert Tanya <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know it's not possible so no, um, she had the, the greatest tweet uh, or, or series of tweets today apparently the um, the French ambassador is apparently meeting the Constitutional Court, and we'll get to the Constitutional Court in a minute, uh, over the amnesties uh, which are being proposed. And uh, uh, Tanya had a reaction such as, what are these diplomats, these ambassadors doing meeting uh, the judiciary? It's, they treat us as if we are a colony. <laughs> and it's so clueless. It's, so, yeah, there, there's no point trying to, to oh. I don't know, to... Uh, I've got. I've got to tell you something. Who was literally brought to power by the U.S., the British ambassadors here, uh, by Mogherini, and you know, to lesser extent, NATO. So clueless that who she owes her position in Brussels to, and her mother, who was employed in the embassy, and her uh, uncle, who keeps getting these contracts. Most recently, with Boki Thirteen, who he betrayed on the eve of Boki being arrested, but he worked for him like until the. the few hours before Boki was arrested, and they're so clueless. Uh, now that the friend, one of the ambassadors from the European Union is being critical of them for absolutely excellent reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's being critical of Zav, the French ambassador, and they're like, what, are we a colony here? Are they going to tell us what to do? Like, you wouldn't know. Uh, you asked for, per- for permission before going to the restroom from the from the ambassadors and from the diplomats. Go ahead with what, what you were going to say. No, it's, it's, it's very strange. So I have the weirdest dreams sometimes. And last night, I had this dream, and I don't know if it was Jean-Claude Juncker, who is no longer mm-hmm. in office. Uh, today is the first day of uh, Ursula von der Leyen, is the new president mm-hmm. of the... Uh, let's see, she's president of the European Commission, I think. Um, but I think it was Juncker or somebody else. I had the strangest dream that he let slip that Macedonia was a colony. 
uh-huh. of the European Union. Okay. And I, I was going to write this whole article on it. And then I complete. Uh-huh. And by the time I woke up, I forgot everything. But I do remember that. <laughs> that is just weird. <laughs> so. Oh my God! Were you, were you following his drinking habits, maybe? <laughs> no, no. And I will confess that I just had, uh, you know, uh, two shots of uh, Jim Beam before I went to bed. Um, so, uh, so I don't know. That was just weird. And of course, yesterday I was I was hiking in the snow. Uh-huh. In in. Uh, well, you had to drink something. There, well, yeah. Up, up in the up in the Flagstaff, we went on a day hike with uh, my brother-in-law and his brother, and mm-hmm. you know, six and a half miles. So what's that? 11 kilometers over four hours at 7,000 feet above sea level and 28 degrees. Feet. Yeah, and two feet, two feet of snow. So what's that? I don't know. Well, uh, no idea. <laughs> Knee high? Yeah, 50, 60 centimeters. Um, it was not easy. So it was, I was exhausted. Yeah, yeah. That was my point. So I keep anyway. getting surprised that there is snow in Arizona. <laughs> hey, you bet. Oh, we got lots of it. Actually, in the mountains here, uh, out my window, we're covered in snow, uh, Mm-hmm. Friday morning, but uh, it's gone. Oh, yeah. Not entirely, oh, but it's... far away. So it'll come back. We have another storm coming in. Barely have a little sprinkle here and there in the mountains yet. It's been a crazy, wow. crazy autumn. And is it winter now? No. Still no. not winter. That's enough. Weeks, so, it's, uh, it's been crazy. Yeah. But I mentioned the amnesties, and this yes. is now the new big story. Okay. Yes. Uh, and uh, a bunch of uh, people who, who are being prosecuted by Katitsyanova and uh, Vilma Ruskovska, they're uh, appealing uh, to the Constitutional Court, and the court is now quick, in quick succession scheduling two votes on two challenges to the amnesties, and uh, uh, one of them is a challenge to the law which overturned Ivanov's amnesty in 2016, which covered everybody, Gruevsky, Zaev, uh, everybody around Gruevsky, Katica was charged with some technical issue, uh, you know, Ali Ahmeti, Minduk Tach, everybody was charged, Shekarinska's husband. But, you know, obviously the onus was on the Vimera people because Zaev knew even then that he would not be touched. He had the backing of the of the uh, West, of the internationals. Uh, and uh, Gruevsky and people around him were the ones who were asking for the amnesty. And some of them are still in legal, or no, many of them are still in legal jeopardy, even though, you know, the lust for getting them arrested has really dissipated a lot seeing what Zaf is doing and how his actions are turning out. Uh, so basically, uh, the challenge would bring us back uh, Ivanov's amnesty, over which the colored revolution protested, burned down his office, etc. Uh, it would get, you know, Gruevsky could then return to the country the next day and, uh, you know, uh, Jan Kulovska, Sasha Mialkov, a bunch of other people around Gruevsky would be free to go. Mm-hmm. But uh, interestingly, you know, the two even of appointees, Darko Kostadinovsky and uh, Usman Kadri, I think, what's his name, they didn't vote in favor of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other members of the court who are Dewey appointed, Vimer appointed, SDSM appointed, they mostly voted in favor. So uh, we have a situation where everybody's asking, uh, you know, looking suspiciously. What's the what's the catch here? You know, Vimera, this iteration of Vimera condemned the idea. Zaev also, but Zaev's uh, uh, condemnation of this move by the Constitutional Court rings much more hollow because, uh, okay, it would benefit mostly Vimera at this point. Katitsayaneva withdrew the charges uh, against Zaev, which, uh, you know, even if pardoned him for uh, the wiretapping and uh, the coup, as it was called, he was released by pliant uh, judges 
from uh, the other major challenge, the, uh, the the one where he was recorded asking for a huge bribe from a right. businessman in his hometown. But uh, so at this point, it would initially help Vimera or you know the older guard of Vimera mm-hmm. a lot. But then, given that Zayev is the president, you know Pendarovsky, who is unlikely to be pardoning Vimera people in the future. But then it would uh, help. It could help Zayev a lot in the future because it would make the pardons ironclad again. Mm-hmm. You know, the EU could protest and the US, and they could say, "Well, uh, you know, you Zayev are now asking for a pardon from Pendarovsky, or Katitsyanova will ask for a pardon from Pendarovsky." Uh, and but once you received it, you should denounce it like you, like Gruevsky did in twenty. 16 and uh, Mialkov and Yankulovska. So you give this back and you go to prison because this is a condition of you going to joining the EU. This could very likely happen in a in a short period of time. Katice is going to trial anyway in a few in a few days. Mm-hmm. But uh, then they could just say, well, listen, Pendarovsky did this on his own. Blame him. I cannot ask. I cannot legally ask for this to be revoked anymore. So basically, Zav could get a a third uh, pardon from a third president in a row uh, from Pendarovsky after being pardoned by Ivanov and Tervinkovsky um, and could, uh, you know, it could help him immensely. And the other case before the court is uh, a challenge by Mitkochavkov, the former interior minister who was uh, sentenced, uh, you know, these exceptionally long prison sentences for the uh, Vimer activist supporters who uh, stormed into parliament when um, SDSM and Dewey were uh, grabbing power, breaking the filibuster, uh, Chavkov was also sentenced, uh, he refused amnesty, so did Yanachenta, etc. But uh, uh, they are now challenging the amnesty law, which was used to get several Vimera members of parliament to vote for the name change, uh, who were also charged with terrorism over this incident. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were released in exchange for their votes. And uh, now the other people who are in prison, uh, about, uh, what's it, about 20 of them, uh, they are now challenging the law, demanding that the law applies to everybody, uh, not just to the Vimera members of parliament who voted with Zayev. And uh, this could release Mitko Chavkov out of prison, this could release Yana Cinto, the great-grandson of Metodi Andon of Cinto, the first Macedonian president. Right. It could release a few police officers, uh, officials who were charged along with uh, Chavkov and uh, uh, more than a dozen of Vimer activists who joined in the protests and some of whom, you know, punched uh, Zayev, pulled, you know, Shekhermiska by her hair in the whole commotion right. that happened, uh, etc. Mm. And attacked, obviously, Ziedin Sela, who was the only person who was actually hurt in the incident. Right, yes. Who And, and who is now is a, a huge... Uh, um, Antagonist of uh, outgoing Prime Minister Zoran Zayev. Yeah, and Dewey. And Ali Akhmeti, uh, his, yeah. uh, his twin. Um, you mentioned the judiciary and, and, and things like that. I think it's worth mentioning the, um, we were talking about the timeline earlier, the trial with Katitsa starts on the 3rd of December, so Tuesday. Mm-hmm. What, do we, what do we know and what do we expect about that, if anything? I mean, listen, she's guilty as sin. Uh, <laughs> we're just looking. Uh, into what kind of uh, deal has she tried to make with Zayev so far and the judges right. uh, to you know, be quiet, to stop, uh, to say that the buck stops with her and possibly Frosina Reminskin doesn't go much you mean the Euro. above her, 
her, uh, yeah, the euros. <laughs> and uh, we'll see if this deal has been cut and in what form, whether there will be recriminations between Yaneva and Boki 13, whether Vumaran offers them a law, an amnesty or something in the future parliament, provided that they, you know, do what every person who is in their position does, which is they're not the prime culprits here. They did a lot of horrible things, extorting money, abusing the very misplaced trust of the public in them that they will restore justice and rule of law in the country, but they're obviously not the main people who are doing this. It's obviously Zayev, and if they point to Zayev, they should be let go. Uh, and uh, insanity is also not out of the option and uh, out of consideration, <laughs> and it yes, will go you don't really actually, well with. You don't have an insanity plea, do you? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we do. Something oh, like okay. limited mental capacity to be tried, to be put to trial. Well, then why was she the, but then the special prosecutor <laughs> in the first place? <laughs> I mean, it was obvious to anybody uh, <laughs> ever since that uh, cringy video where she was trying to read. Uh, answers from a sheet pre-prepared by the U.S. Embassy or her minders, and she and she failed. She was trying to read what's prepared to her, and she can't even do that. And you know, we all realized it's yeah. it's really a mockery of a sham. But then she's got additional charges on on top of this. Uh, now IRI has prepared something like a tool, which it's actually pretty, um, you know, totalitarian. Even it's really it really goes into fine detail of who employed and in which institution received how much money. Mm -hmm. It's really weird. Hmm. It's creeping me out a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm all for uh, turning the screws on the public administration, but this really goes to the, this person working there mm -hmm. has been paid this much. It, this is his salary. It's really a bit uh, over the top. Mm -hmm. And if, obviously, initially, everybody is having fun with going after Yaneva's, uh, the people she hired, all SDSM uh, supporters, now some of them in the police, in the financial police, you know, some obscene bonuses being awarded left and right. <clears throat> and we were told to look this way because just like a few days later, ostensibly driven by this public outrage, in fact, you know, in a very engineered move, uh, this uh, prosecutor who is going after Yaneva, Vilma Ruskovska, she is now, she raided the special prosecutor's office, seizing documents over this thing, over this allegation that uh, the institution was not only extorting money from people, but was actually also the money it got from the budget, it was being divided illegally, and now additional charges may be dropped against Yaneva. It might be that the, her negotiations with Zayef are not going well, and this is another tool of pressure on her. It also might be that, uh, you know, at some point Ruskovska will turn on Zayef and uh, that they're trying to, you know, to sink Katica and ever to pressure her until she turns on Zayef and, you know, does the natural thing and says, this guy knew everything and he was in the know from the start and he is the real organizer of the whole mess. So she might be working for other circles within SDSM um, who might want to do away with Zayef and Shekerinsk. So we wow. have judges and prosecutors fighting each other and uh, IRI... Uh, gave them an additional uh, stick to hit themselves in the heads with. Wow. Well, again, we, we've said this many times in the past on this podcast and in our reporting and writings and things like that. We'll say it many times more in the future that the revolution always devours its own. Citizen is riven with divisions within itself. Uh, there's divisions between Citizen and Dewey, their junior partner. 
uh, and you know a house divided against itself cannot stand. And so, uh, with the upcoming elections, we'll see. The question isn't you know whether or not they will uh, fail, uh, but how badly they will fail. <laughs> I so. Um, and and what happens to Dewey? Because Dewey, uh, you know, as a as a as a Macedonian Albanian political party, has been around quite a long time. Of course, mm-hmm. all of the um, Macedonian Albanian parties are cult of personality parties. They don't have an ideology other than what can you give our constituents. Mm. And when the leader dies, the party dies. Um, we saw that. You know, everybody look. I've forgotten more than most outsiders will ever know about Macedonia, mm-hmm. and so I remember Emir Miri of BDP, um, <laughs> yeah. who I think got a, a thousand votes in the last uh, parliamentary elections in 2016, yeah. but he was one of the signers of the so-called Okrid Framework Agreement in, in, yeah. uh, in 2003. Um, 2001, sorry. Um, see, yeah. I've forgotten. See, I've, I've forgotten what I forgot. <laughs> um, but uh, Arvind Jaffari, when he passed away, Mindutachi is the... Uh, the head of mm. DPA, but they're nothing. So, and Ali Khmeti, who is in ill health, um, once he goes, uh, then the party will go. Um, so, but anyway, let's let's bring it back, uh, Svetin, since we mentioned at the top of this uh, podcast that this is 50, number 50. And yep. we started this, so we started this in late 2018, maybe the end of November, mm-hmm. beginning of December, and we started it in response to the fact that uh, Zoran Zayev, um, and his government, once they had finally taken power after being installed at the uh, middle of 2017, started working with gusto to try and change the name of Macedonia, and not just the name, but the the very character of Macedonia. I think a few minutes ago you mentioned uh, Year Zero, which of course is a reference, I I think you were making the reference to the French Revolution, uh, that wanted to tear down all of the institutions of the king and parliament and faith institutions, the Catholic Church, and everything else in France, and start from year zero. Yep. Brand new everything. Uh, and this, of course, goes to what we talked about earlier about having a podcast based totally on the idea of what it means to be a conservative or a classical liberal. The institutions are vital to the continuation of the state and the people. And this is something that Zoran Zayev was installed to do and wanted to do, frankly. Actually, I don't know if he wanted to do it. He knew that the bargain with the devil was that he gets to become prime minister. They help him become prime minister if he tears down Macedonia and the institutions that have made Macedonia and Macedonians what they are today. And so we started this podcast right after the failed referendum of September 2018, uh, which, while consultative in nature... uh, was a clear signal from the people that, yeah, sure, we want to join NATO and the EU, but we don't want to do it at the price of changing our name, our identity, our heritage, our culture, our history, our faith, our language, and everything sure. else. So that's why we started it. And yet, today, even as we move forward, even as uh, the scandals swirl about Zoran Zayev and his, his people and, and, and whatnot, he still insists on doing everything he can to promote his, his project to the extent of not even using the adjective Macedonian anymore. Mm. Uh, I see that he just got a, a new award. The um, I don't know. I got to look this up and figure out what this is. The uh, Isabeg Iskovich. Is, is, say it. Iskovich um, International Award. Isabeg. I have no idea what his last name is. He's the founder of Sarayev. He's the Turkish bee who 
built the city in the middle okay. ages. So, so Zayev gets this award uh, for, uh, for foreign leaders that quote-unquote promote peace, tolerance, and understanding, unquote. Uh, which I don't think Zoran Zayev has done any of those. Uh, it's the opposite. And yet he won't talk about the Macedonians. He, he talks about the, the multi-ethnic society that is Macedonia. But he, he's, he's con my point being, he con continues to work towards tearing down the idea of a Macedonian people and a Macedonian history and a Macedonian identity yeah. and everything that goes with it and everything that makes Macedonia and the Macedonians unique in our world today. Even as his world collapses around him, even as his friends abandon him, his domestic friends and his international friends, and he's, he's committed to this lunacy of his. I, I don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, when you say uh, what it looks like when they're undermining Macedonia as a Macedonian state, a nation state, uh, and you mentioned Dewey, what are they going to do now before the elections? And we saw what they're going to do. I mean, uh, there was this uh, uh, incident, essentially, where uh, a Dewey official, Artem Grubi, very close to uh, Ali Ahmeti, in essence, he's a football hooligan. This mm -hmm. is how he started his career, uh, much loved by the diplomatic corps here for some reason. And he brings several hundred of his people from a nationalist uh, a uh, group of football fans of the Skupi uh, oh, yes. team from right. Skopje, and they're called Sverceri, the smugglers, mm -hmm. is the translation. They killed a Macedonian Vardar supporter uh, like barely two years ago, not even two years ago, uh, uh, in a show of force, mm. essentially. And now they, uh, they book the Macedonian National Theater, which was built in the 30s, destroyed by the earthquake, rebuilt by Gruevski, one of the ultimate, uh, you know, buildings uh, of Skopje 2014. It's not like a, uh, like a place of Macedonian national identity, like maybe the Vimera Museum next door mm -hmm. or a church would be, but it's obviously a huge landmark of Skopje. And right. the message, message they wanted to send was unmistakable. They bring like several hundred goons and hooligans inside the theater, and they're shouting, they're doing what football fans normally do at the stadium. They're slashing at the chairs, uh, and uh, you know, jumping up and down the styles and whatever they're doing, all sorts of damage, singing Albanian nationalist songs. So you know, this is how wars start in the Balkans: by yeah. football hooligans provoking, clashing each other. And this is what Dewey is going to do. They're going to ramp up nationalism even even further. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is what they can offer. I mean, uh, and Zaev is like smirking, smiling. Well, yeah, I was at the first. Zaev actually attended the event. Mm. But he says, I was at the first portion of the event, which was meant to celebrate the Albanian alphabet or some other stupidness, and uh, uh, pretend holiday for Albanians to celebrate in Macedonia. And they actually want to celebrate the Day of Albanian Flag, the Day of Albanian Declaration of Independence, which is close to this other holiday. But he says, well, I was at the first portion of the celebration. It was orderly. Haha. <laughs> the second portion was haha, <laughs> not, not as orderly. Like, get out of here. They're... they're pissing in his face, they're giving us the message that they run the, the city now, and uh, this is what it looks like. This is what in the Balkans it looks like once you give up your nation-state. This is going to continue until we get to a point of confrontation. Right. Yeah, you know, Sven, you're absolutely right. Um, he's, he's done all this, Zoran Zayev has done all this damage to Macedonia, uh, he, and he still expects that he's going to be rewarded for it when he doesn't, he's not smart enough maybe I guess is the right word to, to understand that having done their bidding he can now be dismissed 
And that's exactly mm. what's going to happen to him. He's going to be dismissed by the Macedonian people. He's going to be dismissed by the internationals whose support he relied on to get to this position. Now, I don't, I want to, I think we're, we're running a little bit long because we still have our farmer's mm. picks to do here. And so I want to, before we go to our farmer's picks, I do want to end on a note of hope. And that is that, you know, the so-called PRESPA agreement is worth the paper it's written on. All international agreements are worth the paper they're written on. They can be undone. It will be undone. It'll take hard work, perseverance, wisdom. Uh, and um, But it will be undone because it has to be undone. Uh, actually, that should be a slogan. It will be undone because it must be undone. Uh, for the very survival of Macedonia and the Macedonian people. Uh, and I know it can be undone. Let's see. Wait, let me, th- let me read that. I'm just th- thinking that it, it, it will be undone because it must be undone and it can be undone or something like that. I'll have to refine this and I'll bring that back on our next yeah. podcast. But um, why don't we... Uh, we'll work on this. <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. <laughs> why don't we take a break now and uh, come back with our farmer's picks. And welcome back to the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. Svetlana and Jason talking about all things Macedonian on this first day of December 2019. Uh, it is now time for... We've had a bit of a rambling podcast. Uh, this is our 50th podcast. We didn't have time... To pre- I didn't have time to prepare, sorry, because I was traveling with family this Thanksgiving weekend. But I think it's been a very good podcast. But now it's time for our farmer's picks. Svetlana, what's your farmer's mm-hmm. pick? Well, I have a, actually, I don't have it yet. I will have it. I, I, at least I hope I'll have it soon. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, well, uh, there is a very interesting, you, you remember how Zayev got pranked by these Russians uh, yeah. a few months ago? Yeah, Adam Schiff gets pranked by him too. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they, they do it to everybody. Now, somebody, they or somebody else, uh, apparently pranked uh, Zayev again. And uh, this time there was it, it, uh, Zayev's... Uh, uh, deputy, you know, PR guy uh, Zabrchan, it's here now that uh, Zaev was called up by somebody pretending to be Greta Thunberg, ah. I guess some girl, some uh, Swedish sounding girl, and that he had a conversation with her. Now they're saying that Zaev played along because he's this time now he's uh, uh, once bitten, twice shy, so he's now uh, in the loop, so he let her on in order to discover as much information as possible. I really don't buy this. I'm pretty sure that somebody had a good uh, gag with him again. Uh, and, uh, but it's the, the, uh, the tape is not out yet. I'm not sure if it will be. But then I noticed that on Greta's Instagram, she announced uh, recently, like a month ago, that somebody informed her mm-hmm. that somebody's calling politicians uh, or people around the world and pretending to be Greta. So I'm, I'm sensing that this is, uh, there is something to this. So we are all now eagerly anticipating my next farmer's pick, which is going to be Zayev talking to, uh, you know, th- these two uh, 
unfortunately unsuccessful Nobel Prize nominees <laughs> discussing world politics and climate change. And this is going to be this is going to be marvelous. Well, I'm that's sure. delicious. Yeah, so this is going to be my farmer's pick once it's out, hopefully. I'm, I'm praying it, it, it's out as soon as possible. Well, that's great, uh, too. Uh, a preview of farmer's yeah, picks, side, so. Yeah. <laughs> on your end, uh, I've noticed you've been... Uh, uh, you had the, the flags of Macedonia and the, the Republic of Macedonia on uh, your hike in, uh, in Flagstaff. So now is, is this... Uh, and you've, you've done it a bunch of times before uh, around uh, Arizona, around the United States. What's the next exploit? Yes, I don't know what the next exploit is, but this is this is my farmer's picks. It's it's, it's not. I don't. I don't want to make it self-serving, but I I take I do a lot of hiking around Arizona and and some of my other travels this past summer with some Macedonian friends when we went up to um, Grand Canyon, Meteor Crater, Pacific Ocean, things like that. I like taking the flag of the Republic of Macedonia and uh, Macedonia's first flag, the Star of Kutlish, and and just displaying them with you know. These, uh, these great uh, geographical landmarks. And uh, I put it on Twitter, I put it on Facebook. I think we can link to the Twitter one. Um, but I do this for a reason. I do this to encourage Macedonians wherever they are and to encourage Macedonia and to show the world that, that you know, I'm, I'm trying to be an ambassador in a small way for Macedonia and Macedonians by taking these, these two symbols of Macedonia around uh, the great state of Arizona or other places with me and just uh, showing it and and just trying to be an encouragement. Uh, and that's the reason I do these things. So, Svetin, that is my farmer's pick uh, for this week. Yeah, it, it annoys the Greeks for sure. That, that I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I don't do it to annoy the Greeks or the Bulgarians or anybody else. I do it to encourage the Macedonians. If it annoys them, that's, you know what? That's their problem. That's just the added bonus. <laughs> yeah, but that's their problem. So uh, anyway, yeah. um, this has been episode number 50 of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. A bit rambling again, but I think we covered some interesting ground. Um, always you won't hear this stuff anywhere else. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> so always great talking to you, Sven. You too, buddy. Take care. Thanks.